On today's episode of Future Says, we have Vanessa Erickson, Chief Digital Officer at Zensat, one of the foremost leaders in autonomous driving. Vanessa is a true pioneer, with experience as Chief Data Officer at Nets and Telia, as Chief Data Officer Advisor at PwC, and she's also currently a member of the board at Fidesmo. Hello and welcome to Future Says, Vanessa. I'm delighted to have you on the show today to talk about all things autonomous driving. Thank you, Sean. It's a delight to be here. And thank you for inviting me. You're very welcome. So in the not so distant future, we're led to believe that we'll all be living in a smarter, a new world with less congestion on our roads, with reduced carbon emissions, with new services like automated logistics, like on-demand healthcare. We'll live in a world with fewer deaths on our road. Still today, 90% of car accidents can come down to human error. Of course, many of them can be eradicated with this exciting, innovative autonomous driving technology. Add to all of these statistics, the never-ending optimism from Elon Musk, the exciting news that Apple are secretly developing an autonomous car set for release before 2024. And you get a sector with a crazy amount of hype and buzz and excitement. But I'm afraid there's always a but. These cars are always going through phases of recalibrating the timelines and the expectations. Recently, Ford pushed back their developments from this year to next year in a post-pandemic world. We see regulators getting more and more involved. And really, will we be able to see drivers relinquish the wheel soon? The desire to get answers to these questions and separate fact from fiction is why I'm so happy to have Vanessa on the show and to hear her thoughts. So Vanessa, without further ado, can you give us a high level introduction to Zensact and the critical role you are playing to the future of this space? Sure. Thank you. I think it's Zensact. You know, I've been there for a year now and I love their ambition. You know, trailblazing it is. Zensac originated from Bordeaux and, you know, like you say, Carlsberg, probably the best bee in the world, Zensac, you know, from Volvo, probably the safest car in the world, right? I mean, that's what, what its heritage is. And we're building up on that because our, our technologies, our methodologies, everything, our software is built around with a safety first mindset. Because, I mean, you touched upon the accidents and absolutely, we've got 1.3 million traffic accidents in a year, 50 million of them non-fatal, but still people end up disabled for life. We also see a vulnerable group in here. You've got the cyclists, you've got the pedestrians, the motorbikers, and we want to make a difference. So that is really our mission. We want to preserve life. We want to accelerate the move towards zero collisions with our autonomous software. So that is also where we got our motto, you know, towards zero faster. So I, I think what we're also looking for is really building a world not where, you know, we just get our autonomous software, our driving software out somewhere in the world. We want to drive, accelerate safety first everywhere. So that is really our priority. So if you're looking at, you know, so what are we going to do with the next generation coming out? How are we bringing safety to the roads? Because I think even if, you know, if you're intoxicated, don't go, don't go in your car, don't sit in the driver's seat. 
But if you happen to do that, you know, we want that the car will actually take you from, you know, point A to point B safely. We're giving you your life back. You're, you can either look at your phone, you can do something else, relax and let the car do its driving for you. So our intention is safety first. I think that's some of the interesting benefits. I think well, we often think about safety first in the zero collisions, but I think the world in an autonomous car can bring us so many new services. You mentioned being on your phone and entertainment. All of that is going to be a whole new world. But Vanessa, can you tell us about where we are today then in this development and in this future? What sort of projects are you working on right now, you know, in 2021? I'm working with some really exciting projects, but you know, I'm a data geek at heart. So I'm going to tell you about my data, you know, the work that we're doing here. Because so when you have so much data, because I think, you know, each of our test cars have got about 23 sensors. We got the LIDARs, the radars, the sonars, the video feeds coming in. We're collecting 50 terabytes of data per car in a day. That's a lot of data. So I think, you know, the first thing that I came in and I looked into was, so what is the strategy that we need and how can we actually organize this data to have control about over it? And the way we did it was, you know, think factory, because now you've got all this data, you know, you can imagine a factory full of workers. And how do you actually first is getting the seamless connection data to everybody who needs it? to our developers, our engineers, our data scientists, everybody. And that's what we looked at for IT, for digital, for security, giving people just access to the data. The second, what we did was look at the data ecosystem, because here, knowing that we're going to be sharing data with China and the rest of the world, how do you actually build that data ecosystem? Giving access then to our collaborators, You've got consultants, you've got so many people in here. You know, how do you actually, what are the accesses and how do you actually work with that effectively? So that was thinking, you know, okay, a data ecosystem. The third leg that we looked into was innovation. And that's where we've also done our partnering. I had a visit this morning with the AI Edge Lab, you know, because you're constantly churning out models. You can't sit down and think like, oh, you know, this is it. We got this now because you've got to be thinking eight years down the road. What is the technology? If it's the federated learning, it's the swarm learning. Where am I going? You know, continuously having this factory kind of set up to uh, churn out new models for you. And then lastly, which is most important, and I think companies struggle in this area, it's the whole governance bit. Because, you know, being owned by Volvo and Ecarex, a Chinese company, who owns my data? And first time I walked into Zenzai and I just heard these guys say, it's not ours, it's Volvo's. And I said, I don't care if it's in this building, who does it belong to? So getting the ownership and then at the end of it, the quality. Because if I don't trust my data, whatever analytics, whatever insights I'm getting, nobody's going to trust that. Because they say, oh, you know, we don't know if that data is accurate. So these were the ways, the four big building blocks that we set ourselves, our strategy around. But at the end of the day, Sean, it is really, you know, you can work with data if you have customer consent, right? I mean, that is key for every business today. But I think if you go back to the accidents then, 
Previously, when you've had accidents, road accidents, it took a while to get access to that data and then to start working, analyzing it. So by the time you actually wanted to impact the next generation of cars, it took months, sometimes even years. And that's not the case today, because today we have you can already start, you're building your models, you're deploying, you're analyzing, you're pushing out not only to the next generation of cars, but to the cars that are already there out there in the field, which you can prevent, you can drive safety, not in years any longer, but days and hours. And that is really this fantastic feeling that, yes, we are adding value to the whole society, to the world, making a difference. And that's the ambition that, you know, each one of us at Zenzac really love because you're changing, you're transforming the entire way of the traffic or the autonomous driving is going to change, make big changes here for all of us. It's brilliant. And, and I know your experience before Zensat, Vanessa, you were a chief data office advisor at PwC. So you have a lot of experience with a lot of different industries. Are those four building blocks standard, no matter the company in the industry, would you say? No, I don't think so, because I think it depends on each company. You know, how do you want to set up? I think it is over here at Sensact, the truth be told, I've never seen so much data. So, you know, we're collaborating with HPE. We're just looking at data at the storage, because also I'm going back to another topic now. But, you know, previously companies just hoarded data. Because you didn't know what it was for. I don't know what I'm going to use it for. But hey, you know, data is important. So let's just keep it. We figure out what we want to do with it. And I think that's where, so the strategies are different depending on the company that you have. But over here, with the data loads that we saw, because I mean, today we have test cars, but our software is going to be in vehicles, in the fleets. And we know that the amount of data is going to just explode. So that's where the factory mindset came in. You know, how do we then structure this? So no, this is not what I've done in the other, other com companies. Yeah. And so I think broadly, some of those topics would be relevant. You know, you mentioned governance and sort of ethics. Can you expand on that and your work in that space at Zensact and elsewhere, maybe? I think ethics is always important, right? And especially AI ethics, because you have, I mean, it's on, the, on an EU level, what are we doing within this area? And I think especially now as, you know, we're finding this challenge in working with, especially with China, you know, the new laws that have come out. I think, you know, all of us are trying to, you know, interpret them and say, what does this really mean? And we're working with companies to help us, you know, understand the laws. That is challenging. So I think no matter what it is, I mean, today you see countries coming out with their own policies. And this open use of data is going to, you know, kind of trickle down. So I think it is very important for each and every one of us in our companies. It doesn't matter what we're doing. I mean, all of us are dribbling with AI in some level or the other. You know, some are a little more mature than the others. But I think to make sure it can't be wrong to make sure that you've got your AI, you know, ethics in place, a board or small board or whatever to validate and verify, even if my technology, what is my technology doing? Am I doing it for the purpose that I'm actually saying I'm out there, what I really look for? I mean, for our case, it's safety. Are we actually using it for that? Because just because you've got the technology, am I using it for something else? And I think it is very important for every company to start questioning yourselves and just take a look. 
And we had Maria Luciana Cente from PwC on a couple of weeks ago, and she spoke at length about the new EU regulation and how they've divided it into different levels of risk per application of artificial intelligence. You know, autonomous driving, is it touched on in that regulation? Are there other regulations you need to abide by in this space, Vanessa? Uh, no, I, so I think we're trying to cover the entire spectrum. Uh, you know, so we've got the whole GDPR, we've got our code of conduct, you know, we've got the international uh, barrier protocol, you know, looking at China, where we've got, you know, companies, compliance companies helping us in that entire space. And then now finally, we're looking at an ethics board. We're looking at the entire spectrum because I don't think you want to, you know, you don't want to end up with fines. You don't want to end up in, you know, bad publicity. And I think at the end of the day, it's also each and every one of us because we've got a conscience to deal with. And I don't think you want to, I mean, it's questioning yourself. What am I doing? Yeah. I think I go from that. What am I doing? You know, is it okay to do this? Is it legal? And so on the AI ethics board, I mean, there's such a push to become more ethical in the use of the technology. I know Zensac are hiring a lot right now. I, I see different job applications every day, Vanessa. So, you know, are there new roles that we're hiring for today? Are there new roles that we'll be hiring for tomorrow around ethics or around anything else per se? Uh, no, you're right, uh, Sean. We've got a lot of roles just now because we're looking for engineers. But then specifically within my area, I'm looking for a head of enterprise, uh, like a CIO role, enterprise IT, to drive that whole digitalization bit more into detail with me. And I'm also looking for, I've just hired a head of data governance and an enterprise architects. So it's more specific roles that I'm looking for, because here we're looking at the foundation, the data foundations to get us going. So we have a legal department and they look after their own needs. So, I mean, for me, I can speak about, uh, you know, the data and the security area. I've just also hired a head of data, a head of security uh, for Zenzact. Okay. And can you talk to me then a bit more about your role at PwC? What learnings did you take from that? I mean, I think it's one of the first roles I've seen that's a, an advisor to the chief data officer. So how did that Yes. Happen? And I think it was uh, one of the reasons we did that was, you know, creating this uh, advisory role because, I mean, I actually believe, Sean, that I was one of the first chief data officers in Sweden because, you know, at that time I was at Telia and I was working a lot with Deborah Logan from Gartner. In creating, you know, so what would the chief data officer role look like? What are the challenges? Because we were trying to anchor that. I was trying to anchor that at Telia that time. And I, I knew the whole struggle. And then being part of various uh, data networks, I also saw the, the struggle with other companies. So that's why we did this at, at PwC uh, to say, okay, so how could we address this towards other companies, you know, large enterprises who actually don't want to stick their neck out and get this role in place. You know, you had head of data, head of enterprise data, head of, and so if data is that important to you, why aren't you appointing this person to lead the data for you? With that said, however, I mean, from that time to today, I see a lot of uh, chief data officers appointed. So I think we did something right. <laughs> and I know you mentioned before that you foresee the chief data officer as being on the same footing in companies as the chief financial officer. Is that there today? Will that be there tomorrow? Where does that stand? 
No, I see this chief data, a chief, uh, the CFO, a chief financial officer. I think that this role actually helps uh, the chief data officer a lot. I think what I felt in the past, Sean, was especially from coming from Telia, you had a chief technology officer. And then with the data officer, because the technology officer had data as well. So that was a bit of a clash thing with somebody questioning, oh, what are you going to do differently compared to what I am doing today? And I think today with the CFO, the financial officer and the data, you've got very clear roles because, I mean, the chief financial officer is really the investments, but they question the data quality. Where's my data coming from? Can I get the 360 view of the data that we have in all our different silos? So I think that in a way, this is a an enabler. Uh, you know, he pushes or she pushes uh, for the CDO data officer to be in place. Yeah. And I think that comes down again to culture. And, and one thing we hear a lot on this series is that culture is one of the biggest blockers to gaining value from analytics. Um, yes. How do you recommend organizations build this uh, data savvy culture, I guess? So I think that you really need an awareness program or, you know, kind of a pushing out, communicating as much as possible. So Zenzact was uh, Zenuity previously. And as you know, we're working with a lot of data. But the first time I walked into the organization and they said, data, because I said, where's your strategy? And they said, strategy, it's all over the place. And data, you know, this, where each and every one of us is working with data. And this is what I go around telling them, data usage does not equal data mindset. You know, just because I'm working with it doesn't make me, you know, data savvy or I know what I'm doing here. So I said, you've got to be looking at data to say, okay, where's my, you know, what do I want? What do, am I getting my insights? Am I getting my investments? What is it really that I want the data to do for me? And today it's wonderful, you know, a year down that, that journey. And it's so wonderful to hear people saying, hey, you put data on the map for us. So <laughs> I still have a long way to go, but, uh, you know. Small victories make you happy, don't they? Of course. Yeah. Putting data on the map. I like it. Sticking the flagpole. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So there's a lot. I mean, there's a big journey ahead of us, but at least we are talking data. And I think that's the important part, you know, not to just say, yeah, well, it's here somewhere, you know, our data is all around the place. So yeah. I think that it's just a small step in the right direction. Good, good. I think another step on that journey and on journey towards the right sort of culture and mindset is another thing you're passionate about, Vanessa, it's diversity in the workplace. Can you talk yes. to us about your initiatives in this space and where we sit on this important topic today? Yeah, I think that, you know, working in, especially at Zenzact, it's a very male dominated um, space. You've got engineers and sadly, I mean, they would like to drive a more diversity, you know, in this whole area. But there aren't so many. So you, when you go out with a job application or a C, you know, there's not so many CVs from women or that we get in. And I think that is the challenge that we're feeling as well, that there are not so many women within technology. And as you know, Sean, there's a lot being done to address this women in tech. There's so many groups. I mean, I have my own girls in tech that I'm driving. So I think 
we do our best. I'm pushing and I advocate for more women also in leadership. So trying to get also questioning them. What about, and here it's not about uh, just having more women, but also getting diversity. If we are men, you know, getting more diversity in there, where do we come from? Can we get more people so that we have a diverse group here? Because I think it's so much more fun when you have, you know, different nationalities and just makes it more fun. Yeah. So what's the secret to your success then, Vanessa? In a sector that you said might be some way male dominated, how have you been so successful and what advice can you give others? You know, I've just come back uh, from a two day offsite with uh, the leadership team and um, I got to hear from my um, colleague that I was resilient and I've been here for a year now, Sean. And, you know, when you're hitting, you know, you're driving your agenda it kind of gets tough. It gets narrow. It gets tough. And, you know, you spend all your energy. And I think I really appreciated what this colleague said to me because I reflected on that. And I said, you know, I've heard this throughout my journey that I'm resilient, but I forgot about that because I'm just so into every day, keep pushing, keep pushing that I forgot that Zenzac is no different from the other organizations that I've been. I believe I'm successful because, I mean, just for me taking my step back, I realized, hmm, I did this here, here, and here. You know, I kept pushing because not everybody gets it. When you say I'm here to solve a data problem, not everybody gets it. So you really have to go low enough to make your message understood. And when you, I mean, come on, you know, there are days when you're so low I mean, it's hard to pick up and say, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to get up and get going again? And I think it's sometimes taking that time, getting up and dusting it off, building, putting on the armor again and back out in the field. Yeah. I think that's been mine. Good. Resilience. So that's the key takeaway there. We need to be more resilient. Excellent. So Vanessa, on this show, we talk to many people from many different industries about what the future says. Here today, we've heard about diversity, we've heard about culture. You mentioned earlier about the AI Edge Labs at Zensat. Can you talk to us a bit more about what they do, what sort of modeling, what are you looking to predict there? Yes. And I actually believe that is the future because, so if you can imagine what Tesla is doing today, right? For every alert, if you, for example, if you press harden the brake, they are not collecting all the data. They are just taking the alerts and they are, you know, continuously developing on the alerts. So that is here and now, but what we are looking for is kind of, you know, eight years down the road, because we are also doing this with our fleet inside. What we're looking for is further down the road, which is the federated learning, the swarm learning, and to to give our viewers a bit of insight on what we actually mean with that. So when you've got different, you've got many cars on the road and you have you're collecting data from these cars. So instead of collecting it on the edge, maintaining that data, working, so it saves you the cost of, you know, transferring the data, data storage, data computing. This data is then sent to an aggregator and you have one, you know, kind of a main or a algorithm that comes out, a model that comes out, which is then pushed back to the cars and you're working only with that algorithm. And that is the federated learning where it is sent to an aggregator. On the other hand, you have swarm learning. So in that case, you know, one of the cars, one of the devices would typically become the aggregator, 
work with the data and push it back out to the other vegans. So these are the technologies and this is cutting edge. This is, you know, it's data, it's the future. That's how we see it. And uh, I'm really pleased because we have together with AI Sweden, HPE and a lot of other companies created this edge lab. And it's like the Hollywood uh, for data where, you know, companies are investing in in here to understand and sharing knowledge with one another on what is the model that's needed for the future. How do we actually work with our data and how do we transfer it between countries, for example? So all about federated learning then. So I read recently that Volvo hope that by the mid of this decade, I think a third of their revenues will be coming from autonomous vehicles. So are we already seeing federated learning in the field today, Vanessa? If not, when will we be seeing this? No, we're not seeing that already today because we're still... So the challenge is you want more data and you want less data. I mean, we need data loads to start working with these algorithms to create this to get lesser data. And that is this is the challenge. So we're working with them. And I think at this point where we do not have, you know, we're worried about the privacy and the GDPR, how do we get these data sets to work with? So my colleagues have been so innovative. We're working with birds. Okay. So collecting data, you know, bird patterns, you know, how the birds are flying away. Tra- I mean, it is traffic, you yeah, know. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's fantastic. That's a POC that they have just completed. Um, so I think that's where the whole, it's going a bit slower than what we would have liked because we're trying to make sure also that we are compliant when we're looking, I mean, we're working with test data. Yeah. And with all of this, these amazing innovative projects, I'm sure there are a lot of challenges. We've mentioned a few of them already, but is there any specific one that keeps you up at night, Vanessa, that you're particularly fearful of? As a chief digital officer, I've got, you know, in in addition to just making sure the company is driving in in the digital roadmap, I think I, I also have security and data. And I think it's security because you never rest. You never rest, you know, where you've got, are we being attacked? I mean, and because that is even on the weekends, late in the evening. So while we have security as a service, that is a responsibility that does not go away. So making sure that we have cybersecurity around our software, IP. Yeah, I think all of this, everything we've said today, it links nicely back into Fidesmo as well and your new board membership there. It's a completely different space. But what learnings do you take or how is that going at Fidesmo? Uh, well, at Fidesmo, it is going really brilliantly. As you see, there's a lot of posting out, uh, you know, on LinkedIn with uh, all the partnerships and uh, and the product that is being sold in many countries now. So I think it is going really well for them as well. And I'm really happy then. Brilliant. So you're very, very busy, Vanessa. And I'd like to conclude the conversation by just, again, a high level overview of what the future says to you and to Zensac and where are we heading? Thanks, Sean. I think that the future is partnerships, collaboration because you want speed, quick to market. And where we have, we have excellent collaborators. I mean, especially with the data space, we're working with HPE, we're working with AI Sweden. And I think that that is the future, a partnership model, a collaboration model to be able to get your product out into the market as quickly as possible. 
lots to uncover, lots to explore. It's very, very exciting. Vanessa, thank you so much for joining. We'll add some details on the show notes and I'm sure we'll see each other soon. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for watching. Now, next up on Altair.com forward slash future says would be Bill Magro, chief technologist of high performance computing at Google. He'll be speaking about all things cloud computing. Hope to see you there.